I feel like Shetty's here, but just useless. <laughs> you know? Come on, Shetty. He's kind of present. Like you kind of can talk to him, but he just doesn't do anything. Oh, shame. <laughs> Apart from amazing editing. Welcome to the Aesthetics Master Show. I'm Dr. Tim Pierce. Hi, I'm Miranda Pierce. And today we are talking about an unusual cause for necrosis. This is capillary compression. It's unspoken about in many places. Not a lot of evidence for it, but I hope you'll follow my logic and believe that it is possible. Okay, it sounds scary. What's going on with this? So this comes from the theory, and in fact, it's well established in medicine, that a pressure sore, if you put pressure on something for long enough, you don't get blood supply to that area and the skin dies. That's essentially what anyone who's bedbound gets after around between two and eight hours of resting on a particular point, you get necrosis of that skin. And I think the same thing can happen with dermal filler when placed in certain parts of the face in particular. Okay, so what are we talking? So number one area I think is the glabella. And this happens when treating frown lines or, or in the forehead as well. And what you'll see in these cases, I believe, is a different shape to the necrotic lesion. So you don't see the path of the artery. Now, mm -hmm. in many in many lesions, hopefully we'll be able to show you one now from a paper where you can see the actual path of the artery that's been included. And that's very clear that there's filler in the blood vessel. But there are other types of injury that I've seen where it looks much rounder. It's not clearly following the path of a vessel and it tends to be in an area where you're where there's little little room effectively to add volume and that makes it more likely that pressure is causing the necrosis, I believe. Okay. And where else apart from glabella? So after the glabella, there's the nose tip. I think it's that's a fairly common place to get sort of brewing necrosis. Often it's just redness and pain that people get. Uh, and then I suspect also the chin. I've seen a couple of lesions in the chin that look suspicious to me uh, as pressure lesions rather than blocked arteries. Okay. So tell us a bit more about this roundness. Like how would we differ how would we differentiate it from from what we've been used to seeing? Well, it's it's really to do with the the fact that if you block a blood vessel, they are literally like tree trunks. They're like they, they they branch out, and you tend to see it following a line of where the where the vessel is. So if you block the supratrochlear artery, you often get um, a, an area of necrosis that follows that artery into the forehead. You can see it. If you block a a supralabial artery, you get necrosis that follows up the lip and often even leads right to the tip of the nose. These are all indications that it's following the vasculature and blocking the capillaries that lead from that vasculature. Tracking. Tracking, yeah, along the vessel. So if you know your anatomy, it becomes really clear. You can see it in lips. I've certainly seen a, an inferior um, labial artery occlusion that you could see tracking down, heading back towards the facial artery. So you could see the area of on the lip and then the pallor that followed it. So that there's a sense of it following the anatomy and some occlusions just don't follow that at all. They just seem to have a an area of of, of roundness as the best way of describing it. It's, it's a focal point where there's necrosis that's a bit different to a linear, a line of necrosis following a blood vessel. So how does pressure cause an occlusion? Well, in order for blood to bring oxygen to tissue. Obviously, if it's not able to flow into that tissue, you're not going to get enough oxygen and it, the tissue will eventually die. So anything that you inject, in fact, you can actually simulate this with saline. If you inject a bolus of saline into someone's skin, you will see the skin go white and it can stay that way for three, four seconds before the saline basically seeps away and the, and the pressure of the blood will then overwhelm that tissue pressure and blood will keep flowing. It's essentially the battle between pressure in the tissue and your and the pressure in the capillaries which comes from your blood pressure 
So if you, the higher you put the pressure in the tissue, the higher the blood pressure would be in order to, to keep putting um, oxygen through that tissue in, in the blood that it's carrying. So all it takes is an area where the, the pressure is sustained for long enough that no blood gets through for a long enough period that those, those cells die from a lack of oxygen. But just to be clear then, so you're not in and out in a blood vessel. That's right. You're I, near it. You may not even be near it. You're basically putting pressure into the, the around the capillaries in that area to such a level that no blood flows through those capillaries. You can do this just by pushing. If I if I if you push on your lip for five seconds and release it, you'll see it's pale when you release it. That's because you've squeezed all the blood out of those capillaries. If you were to hold that area continuously, you would get necrosis because no oxygen gets through while you're keeping the blood out. So it's you you can cause it's basically a pressure sore, as I said at the right at the beginning. Pressure stops the blood flowing, and if you do that for long enough, you get necrosis, and it's as simple as that. So some areas of the skin, for one reason or another, seem to sustain pressure better. There's something about mm. the skin quality that's different in the forehead, tip of the nose maybe, and, and I think sometimes the chin. I think, for example, if you think of your cheek, there's loads of room. It feels like there's loads of potential mm. there. So maybe superficially with high volumes you could do it but in, in normal injections you're not going to cause pressure whereas that seems to be different in the forehead the nose and the chin it makes sense in the nose doesn't it because there's not much space for anything going on there yeah the potential space is less and it's different with different people some people it's quite adhered i think it's a little bit more risky if you've had a surgical rhinoplasty there's there's much more scarring and the tissue is much more stuck down in fact it's one of the reasons you might stop a procedure i've done that a couple of times when you you're trying to inject and as you inject you just see the filler makes the skin blanch and it doesn't separate from the from the periosteum at all so the skin and the the and the bone are almost stuck together and you get this little bubble of white if you were to leave that it might cause necrosis so you would then massage it until it was completely gone and that's because of scar tissue in noses the ones i've seen have been due to non-surgical rhinoplasty mm, okay which is a shame because often they go wrong don't they we're clearing up the mess yeah well it's one of the most common reasons to do a non-surgical rhinoplasty is fixing a surgical rhinoplasty but what about the chin it seems like there's quite a lot of space there yeah, I, I think there is in most people, but there are a percentage of patients when you're injecting them that just they just feel the anatomy feels a bit tighter. And um, I've I've seen two cases that were a bit like this, and this is the one I'm least sure about. But it does seem to me I've had a few a few cases where I'm injecting and it just feels firm. So as you inject, you see blanching. It doesn't feel like there's loads of room, and those patients I think are a bit more likely to cause a problem. And the other thing with chin augmentation is you're often using quite high volumes and mm. very stiff products. So the combination of using three or four mils in in an area with a very with the stiffest product you can get basically to emulate bone, um, in in maybe a patient's anatomy where there's just a bit less room, I think you can cause that. Okay. And it you say that it is red is that's one way it manifests. What other signs can you see that you've you've achieved this bed sore situation? Um well it's often you you well redness I think is the body's attempt at co accommodating for it. So if you think about what happens if you were to decrease the blood supply to somewhere, you get a buildup of uh, of cellular metabolites that nearly all of them cause vasodilation. They cause an inflammatory response in a way to try and compensate. If you've got it, if you're on the right side and it can compensate, all you get is redness. I've seen this in, in non-surgical rhinoplasty where someone has a little bit of discomfort on the day of the procedure. It's a little bit painful and then it just stays red mm. for a long time and then you reverse it and it goes away. That, that I think might be caused by um, a compensatory mechanism for the higher pressure. 
So are there any summary takeaways for how we can diagnose and avoid this pressure sore effect? Well, the the thing I think most people are going to be thinking is how do you even know this is happening? Because it's it's incredibly hard to actually you we don't tend to scan our patients and see where the filler is. You you've got a lesion there, you can tell that they're struggling and and you tend to reverse it. So we don't even know for sure what percentage of people doing emergency reversals are reversing hematoma. Um, we don't know if they're in the vessel or if they're just in the tissue causing a pressure effect. So that that's the area that might make people less certain. What I'm hoping you'll get from this episode is, is knowing that there might be another reason why you can get necrosis, which might explain an atypical presentation because we're, we need to get this diagnosis of potential necrosis right be- while there's time to reverse it. And if you're only thinking about blocked arteries, there are occasions where you might look at this picture and think, you know what, that's very unlikely because the artery doesn't run there or it's not following the route of the artery. And if you at least know that this might be a potential cause, it might it might possibly prevent an, a, a scar on someone. Now, of course, we don't know for sure where this, where this is, but what you will discover with time is that if you reverse a procedure like this and it immediately looks better, you're, you're going to be more and more confident that there is something around the pressure that can cause this. I think the fundamental science is sound. If you can get a bed sore from pressure, you can get a, a pressure sore from dermal filler too. For me, that makes perfect sense. How often, how frequent, how severe it is, very hard to know, but I hope that anyone watching this will jump to 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 having that on their list of differentials when they make the decision whether or not to reverse and not only think about the pattern of uh, of occlusion that you might see a bit more frequently than this cause. And, and hopefully it will help people make a better decision. But also when you're assessing where it's appropriate to fill in the first place, now that you know that not to go for the tighter areas. Yeah. So that would be the other thing is in when designing treatments, just bear in mind certain areas are a bit more likely to cause a pressure effect. And that could be a risk for some of your patients. So uh, yeah, you should design slightly safer treatment pa- tr- treatment plans if you understand this is a potential risk. So I hope you found that useful. Remember, you can download a summary of everything we talked about in the last three episodes. It's a simple guide with all the arteries that we've talked about and how to inject a bit more safely. So hope that helps you. See you next week. Take care.